shape us. Today we are in the third week of the sermon series we kicked off the fall with, uh, entitled Always Ready. Uh, and if you haven't been with us before, just a little bit about the title. The title comes from 1 Peter 3.15, where the Apostle Peter uh, challenges believers to always be ready, always be prepared to give the reason for the hope within you. In other words, as believers in Jesus Christ, in our dialogue and conversation with those around us, we are to be prepared at all times to not only say what we believe, but why we believe it. To be able to let people know through uh, compelling and, and personal and biblical reasons and rationale and experiences why we have hope in Jesus Christ. So that's what the title of the sermon series is about. And we kicked it off by the first week looking at the, the question of the existence of God. Does God really exist? And we looked at several indicators which point powerfully and compellingly to the existence of God. Uh, last week we looked at the kind of classic conundrum of the question of if God is good and God is loving and, and God is all-powerful, why then do evil and suffering and pain exists in the world. How can God allow that? And this week we come to uh, an objection about the faith that I, that I often hear. And I think it's increased as, as the world gets smaller and we interact more and more with different cultures and different belief systems. And the question namely is, why does the Christian faith, why do Christians claim that Jesus Christ is the only and true way to God? You know, many people have a hard time accepting that statement. With, with so many different belief systems and, and, and religions and cultures around the world, with so many people sincerely following their spiritual path, how can anyone say there's only one way to the top of the mountain? It comes off as a little arrogant, perhaps, or narrow-minded, or judgmental, or, or maybe unenlightened. It's an outrageous claim. So outrageous that sometimes we as believers find ourselves avoiding the subject or are almost apologizing for it. And many seekers, people who are seeking the truth, have stumbled over this claim that Christ is the only way to heaven. But I would like to suggest today, and we'll be looking at this, I would like to suggest today that, that Jesus' claim to be the only way is, is really wonderful news. And so let's take a closer, closer look at it and see if we can discern what it means and why it's so wonderful. A little bit of context. Jesus makes this statement in John 14 um, on the night before he goes to the cross. It's, it's Thursday night. They've had the, the Last Supper. Uh, and, and he's making his way to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to pray. And he'll subsequently be betrayed by Judas. He'll be arrested. And the next day he'll be crucified. And Jesus has already told them, it's been a bad night for the disciples already. He's already told them, uh, I'm going to suffer and die. He's already ahead of time announced that one of them is going to betray him and that Peter is going to deny him. And now he tells them, I'm going to be going away and where I'm going, you're not going to be able to join me, at least, at least now. Which was very unsettling to these disciples. I mean, they, they'd given their last three years to following him. They'd given up everything. They'd thrown their lot in with him. And they don't really understand where he's going and why they couldn't join him. And so Jesus speaks these words of comfort, but also encouragement to them. Uh, I'll read verse one. Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Now, we we don't know a lot about heaven, at least not as much as we'd like. There's a lot of things we can say about it from Scripture, but there's always some things that we don't understand or like to know but don't know yet. But notice here that Jesus refers to heaven as a place. So we can say up front that, that we won't be spending eternity drifting through the cosmos on a cloud, okay? To be human is to be body and spirit. So there's going to be a material dimension to life beyond the grave. And, and when he talks about a house with many rooms, he's, he's not talking about a, a condo or a ranch or split level. He's simply helping us visualize heaven as a real place, a physical place where people actually live after death. And Jesus goes on to say this in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be, may be where I am. Okay, so another thing to ask, we can say about heaven is that Jesus promises them not only a physical place, but relationships. They will spend relationship. They'll spend eternity in a relationship with him, but also with others. You know, Billy Joel is an incredible songwriter, lots of hits. Uh, his, his songs have kind of stood the test of time. Uh, and there's one of them that has the following lyrics. They say there's a heaven for those who will wait. Some say it's better, but I say it ain't. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. It's a, it's a catchy tune, but the idea here is that hell is going to be a, a, a great big frat party, okay? Playing poker, dancing, singing, drinking with your friends. But that's not the case at all. Now, we understand a lot less about hell than we do about heaven from the Scriptures. But the one thing we do know is that it's a place of separation where people are cut off from one another and they're cut off from God. No card games because you're alone. No laughter because... God is not there. See, death is a wall that separates body from spirit and people from each other and and persons from God. And so when Jesus comes along and tells his disciples and tells us as well that there's a way through that wall that we can have hope beyond this life, beyond this world, a way to a real place that feels like home, a place of eternal fellowship with those we love and with God himself, that sounds wonderful. Whatever heaven is like, we want to be there. But then Thomas speaks for all of humanity, really, when he asks this question. He says, how, basically? He says in verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Despite the fact that Thomas is a man, he asks for directions. Okay? He wanted something specific. He wants something he can, he can put into, into his GPS or map quest to get detailed instructions. That's what we want, isn't it? We want to know which road, out of all these different roads that are offered, which road will take us to the top of the mountain? Which road will lead us to heaven? And, and that's when Jesus steps in with this outrageous claim in verse 6. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Thomas says, how can we get there? And Jesus says that. Now, that, that expression, the way, truth, and life, um, it would have resonated with his, his, his disciples because it was a phrase that would have been used, expression used by religious teachers of the day to describe um, the law, the, the Torah. It meant that the law provided everything that a person would need to know 
about life and about God and about life after death, eternity. And so Jesus intentionally includes these three words, way, truth, and life, but his emphasis is on the way. Now notice he's not claiming, um, I can point you in the right direction. I can show you the way. He says, I am the way. But he doesn't stop there. He says next in verse 6, nobody comes to the Father except through me. So he's, again, he's not saying, he's not only saying he's the way to heaven. He's saying, I am the only way. And that you cannot get there any other way. They all other ways fall short. You can't get there by being good. You can't get there by being religious. You can't get there by being sincere. You can't get there by ceremony or knowledge or pedigree. Jesus says there is no other way except through me. You know, no other major religious figure has ever made such a claim. Moses didn't back in the Old Testament. Muhammad didn't. Buddha didn't. Many have claimed to know the way to God or tried to show the way to God, but none have claimed to be the only and one way to God. But Jesus makes it very clear, leaves no room for misunderstanding. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to God and eternal life. You cannot get there apart from me. Now, before we explain why this, this outrageous claim, this exclusive claim, is also wonderful news, Let's first be sure we understand what Jesus is not saying. First, Jesus is not saying that the religion we call Christianity, doing church, is the only way to heaven. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Because the the church is filled with imperfect people. We all fall short. No church is, is perfect. And so to the extent that Christianity or church puts Christ and his gospel at the center of what they do... It's the most likely religious journey that will lead a person to Christ. But Christ himself is the only way. And so if you have problems with institutional church or institutional Christianity, set those aside because Jesus is talking about himself, his life, his death, and his resurrection. So despite the fact that Christians and churches will all fall short at times, Christ is to be the focus. Christ is the only way. Second, Jesus is not saying that there is no truth to be found in other um, religions or spiritual guides. Okay? Many religious systems offer helpful and true teaching about life and morality in God. Many spiritual leaders have helped to advance God's purposes in the world as they've worked for justice or freedom or, or peace or beauty or morality. There are, are other paths that can get you started up the mountain point you in the right general direction, but they can't get you all the way to the top. So we, we've offered these two qualifiers. First, that Christ is the way, not doing church, not being religious. And secondly, that there is truth to be found in other religious systems. But even still, Jesus' claim to be the one and only way to God in eternal life is outrageous. Many think it's arrogant or narrow-minded, or, or intolerant. Seekers and believers alike sometimes stumble over this. But let me give you three reasons why Jesus' exclusive claim to be the only way, truth, and life is great news. First, Jesus' claim to be the way is a wonderful way because it's clear, it's, it's specific. There's one way. Jesus is it. No confusion, no guesswork, no uncertainty. 
when you want to get somewhere, what do you need? You need clear and specific directions. For example, say you want to do, um, you want to do a tour of, of the great sites of Kansas, and you want to begin uh, going to Cocker City. How many of you have seen the, the, the largest ball of twine? Maybe a few of you? Okay, you're not willing to admit it, some of you, I'm sure. But um, uh, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, so say, say somebody comes to you in sign and say, I want to get to Cocker City. I, I have to see the world's largest ball of twine. My life will not be complete until I see this ball of twine. And you just kind of say, well, it's, it's north and it's west of here. And, you know, just, just kind of head that direction and, and, and you'll find your way. You'll make it there. Wouldn't be much good, right? People are going to end up frustrated. They're going to, they're going to get lost. They may give up. They need specific directions. You'd have to say, well, drive up this highway so many miles, turn west here, then go north. Here's some landmarks. They need specific instructions, clear instructions. Otherwise, it's going to be a miserable, confusing, frustrated trip. That's the problem with saying that there are many ways to get to God. It's confusing. There's not enough direction, specific direction. For example, some would say the only way to heaven is to be good. Be a good person. Keep the commandments. Which commandments? The ten? Seven of the ten? How many do you need to keep consistently? What do you do if you mess one up? What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love your neighbor? Who exactly is your neighbor? How about if people say the way to go to heaven is to be religious? Whatever your faith is, practice it diligently, faithfully. But again, how religious? How many services do I need to go to? Um, how much money am I supposed to give? How involved am I supposed to be? And which religion should you follow? The one that says there's one God? The one that says there's many gods? The one that says that God is in everything around us, in the world around us? The one that says there is no God? Because atheism is a belief system. They can't all lead to the same place. It's very confusing. Some would say you need to be sincere in your desire to know God. And get to heaven. But how sincere? As sincere as religious fundamentalists who flew those planes into the Twin Towers on 9-11, killing thousands. They were very sincere in their belief that they were following a path that would lead them to paradise, to heaven. Are we prepared to say that that's as legitimate a path, a legitimate way to get to the top of the mountain? Of course not. And if there's one path that will not get you there... That means that there are others that are dead ends too. So how do we know which one to take? You see, the problem with saying that there are many roads that will get you to the top of the mountain is that it's not helpful. It leaves us frustrated and confused, uncertain, and most likely lost. That's what makes Jesus' specific, clear claim to be the only way wonderful and good news. The second wonderful thing about Jesus' claim to be the way is that it it actually works. Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. He can get you to where you want to go. For example, we, we, we can see it in the way he lived his life. He spoke the most profound words the world has ever heard. He lived a remarkable, the most remarkable influential life in human history. He healed diseases. He, he commanded the forces of nature. He raised people from the dead. He himself was raised from the dead. No other religious leaders have ever claimed such things or done such things. Only one, Jesus Christ. Secondly, millions of people throughout history who have followed Jesus Christ 
have testified that he has, in fact, transformed and changed their lives. Forgiven them, healed them, delivered them, freed them. I can think of a couple examples, a couple of funerals I've done in the last month. Marion Farr and Marilyn Obermeyer, both wonderful Christian people who faithfully were involved in this church and served for years. And, and um, towards the end of their lives, they, they knew that, that there was a possibility they wouldn't be in this world much longer. But something that struck me was there was a certainty about them. There wasn't fear. There wasn't anxiety. Because they knew they were right with God. They trusted in Jesus. They were certain of heaven. You don't find that kind of certainty in people who are traveling other roads to heaven very often. Ask them if they expect to arrive in heaven someday, and they usually will say something well, like, I hope so. I, I think so. I, I'm, I'm counting on it. I don't know about you, but getting to heaven is pretty important. I want to know I'm on the right road. Think of it this way. Let's say uh, you've had it with winter in Kansas. It's January and it's, it's 10 degrees or snow on the ground. It's windy and cold. And you say, I'm going to, go to, I'm going to go to Florida. I want to go to Disney World, to Orlando. And you go to the airport and you see your flight listed up on the monitor. Flight 2020 to Orlando. Okay, so far so good. But next to your flight number says gates 21 through 29. Doesn't make much sense to you. But you head down to that kind of gate area. And you get there. And none of the gates have signs on them telling you the flight number or the destination. There are planes out there ready to go with pilots in them, people ready to board, but you don't know where any of them are going. And so you turn to one of your fellow travelers and say, which of these flights is going to Orlando? And they say, yeah, we were just discussing that. John here likes to look at that 747, so he's going to gate 26. But 22, 22 has always been my lucky number. I'm going to gate 22. And somebody says, well, my son-in-law, he, he knows a lot about airports. He says gate 25, so that's where I'm headed. And you say, but how do you know it's going to Orlando? Well, who can know anything for sure? But I've got as good a chance as anybody of getting on the right plane. And so finally you can't stand it any longer. So you go to the front desk and you ask, which of these flights is 2020 to Orlando? And the, the staff person says, it's not our policy to tell people which gate they have to fly out of. That would be rather narrow-minded and restrictive. These are all wonderful planes with hard-working crews and sincere passengers. Who are we to say which one is better than the other? Take whichever one you want. They're all going somewhere. Silly, ridiculous analogy, right? But it's just as ridiculous to suggest that all roads lead to heaven and just as irresponsible to withhold information that can help people get to where they want and need to go. I mean, if you don't care where you spend eternity, then it doesn't matter which road you take. But if you want to go to heaven, you better be sure you're on the right path. And that's another wonderful thing about Jesus' claim to be the only way. It's clearly marked, and it really will get you there. We've seen this time and again in the lives of people whose lives have been transformed radically and how they face difficulty and struggle and suffering and injustice and, yes, even death. A third wonderful thing is Jesus' claim to be the way is available to anybody. Anybody. Anybody can choose to believe in Jesus Christ. Now, some people have difficulty with this claim because it sounds exclusive, as though only an elite group of people will get in, or restrictive in the sense that not many people will get in. 
But that's not the case. The capacity of a room is not determined by the size of the door, but by the size of the room on the other side. I mean, for example, the door to get onto the airplane, especially if you're a tall or a big guy, it's not real big. You have to duck or kind of squeeze or twist if you're carrying something to get in. But once you get through that door, there's all sorts of room. So it is with heaven. On a much grander scale, the way is narrow. But there's all kinds of room. On the other side, Jesus has prepared a place for all who believe. And when the Bible describes heaven, it talks about this great multitude of people from every tongue and, and tribe and nation and people. And the way may be narrow, but anybody can go through it. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or what religion that you were born into. All you need is faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans 10 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible also tells us that God wants as many people as possible in heaven. It says he is not willing that any should die, but that all should come to repentance. And that's why he provides us with this narrow, specific, clearly marked, inclusive way that, that anybody who chooses to believe, can get in. And that isn't arrogant. It's not intolerant. It's actually the only responsible and loving thing to do. I mean, if you knew that you are going to be dead tomorrow, you would choose very carefully what words you would say to family and friends. That's what Jesus does here in John 14. He wants his disciples to have something to hang on to because he knows they're going to be discouraged and scared and they're going to scatter after he dies on the cross. And so he gives them, after he describes heaven, and they say, how are we going to get there? How are we going to know where you're going to be? He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that is wonderful, great news because there's no uncertainty, no confusion, no doubt. And so you come to a decision point, as you always do with Jesus' claims. We can't just walk away and say he's a great teacher, a, a good man, a powerful prophet, because he, his claims are much more than that. He claims to be God in the flesh, the Son of God. He claims to be the, the perfect sacrifice through whom our sins are washed away. He claims to be the resurrection of life, and here he claims to be the only way to heaven. And so we have to choose to either believe him or not. To choose to follow him or to go our own way. And so if you're still trying to decide which road to take, I encourage you urgently to look very closely at this wonderful narrow way that we were describing this morning. If you've already found that road, then, and you're traveling down that wonderful way, then don't apologize for it and do not keep quiet about it. The only loving and responsible thing to do is to tell the whole world graciously but clearly that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But if you haven't decided which path that you're going to choose or take, then I encourage you to consider the words of Christ, to pray about it, to look at his word more, to seek out a Christian friend and ask them questions because the Lord wants you to be in heaven. And the only way to be there is through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are God, 
who um, loves us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, so that all who believe in him would be saved and would not be lost. We thank you that you are God, though you are um, you're beyond our complete understanding. Lord, you are God who has revealed yourself very clearly in your creation, in your word, and most powerfully and completely in your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, we know that you've given us clear instructions. There are a lot of questions we have, yes, but, but you're very clear on that, the fact that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we want to have certainty, if we want to have a guarantee that we're with you forever, that Jesus is the only way. And so, Father, today I just pray for each person here that they would have that settled in their hearts and in their minds, uh, that they would not be embarrassed or, uh, or uncomfortable with this claim, Lord, because it really is good news. It's wonderful news because it's clear and specific, because it actually works, it changes and transforms lives, Lord, and, and because it's inclusive that anybody who believes can be with you. So we offer ourselves to you now, Lord Jesus, in your name. And we thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Would you please stand as we close in song?